Welcome again to my world. I'm yours, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, September 7th. We are here live. I'm not sure what happened that first time. Uh, I did an open. I don't think anybody was hearing me. I had an audio issue over here. My phone just did not want to reconnect. But here we are. Looks like uh, everything's working the way it's supposed to. So um, we're going to get to some calls. It is a free for all in this first hour. Phone lines are open. Go ahead and jump in and join us. 855-950-3835. I started talking about the economy in general. Where are we going with this? What should we be doing to get prepared? Where, what should be what should we be doing with our money or our business? And it is really difficult to try to figure out this economy and where we're going. Um, Some news this morning. I don't think this is good news for the economy at all. I'm not sure um, why as a country we're doing what we're doing. Uh, Right now, inflation looks like it's creeping back up again. It looked like it may have been under control for a while. It's climbing again, and energy prices are a big part of the problem. So the last thing we want right now is inflation. Inflation, it could really crash this economy in a bad way. We need to kind of ease out of this, and I don't think we're going to with what's going on with energy prices right now. Energy prices will drive inflation because they affect everything we do. Certainly affects us in transportation. Now, the interesting thing where we are in this cycle, fuel prices are on their way back up. They've gone up significantly in the the recent history here and they continue to go up. Now, for a lot of the the people who are already doing well in trucking, this will just help them even more. It does bring some rates back up. Uh, The people who are getting good fuel economy will not be hurt by this. The people already being hurt by low freight rates will be hurt twice as bad with high fuel prices. It won't bring the rates up enough to help them. And the fuel prices are going to hurt them. So maybe we just need to wash out more of that capacity sooner. This might do that. But I'm more worried about the big picture economy. I'm not so much worried about trucking. You've either put yourself in a good position and you're still benefiting from freight rates and fuel prices, or you haven't, and you're at risk of going out of business. And for most people, it might be too late to change that. But where are we going in the big picture? Where are we going with this economy? I just don't get it. And all of the news about energy prices is bad. The Saudis and the Middle East and, the, and, and OPEC are cutting production to get prices up. That's their point. They have a lot of control over worldwide energy prices, but we have more. We have a huge impact on energy prices, especially in our own country. And we're not doing anything to fix that. In fact, The Biden administration just announced they are closing a bunch of oil leases in the Arctic. They're doing the opposite of what should be happening. The U.S. should be cranking out oil production to drive prices down. Don't let the Middle East and OPEC control these prices. Energy prices may be the most significant issue right now, and all the news is bad. And this This administration has lots of things they could do to drive these prices down, and they're not. And we still have not replenished our reserve, our strategic reserve. We've got lots of bad news around the world with Ukraine and Russia and Taiwan and China, and we could really use those reserves back, but it would be insane to try to refill the reserves at the prices today. But if we were just to crank up oil production again here in this country, we could do we could accomplish both. We could drive those prices down and we could refill the reserve. Why aren't we doing that? It's hard to say. Um, Since there is so little about the the economy that's making any sense and nothing really looks like it's good news right now. 
it really is a time to double down on the things you can control. The two biggest things you can control and I can help you with, and we can certainly talk about it today, your health and your money. You have total control over your health. You have a lot of control over your money. Uh, I don't know where to be invested today. I've been talking about this for a long time. Um, Even myself, I don't know. I said I was sitting on a lot of cash because I, I look around at possible investments and I'm just not excited about any of them. Um, The market is way too hard to predict the stock market. And if we look at the pattern, it's been on a long climb. It's been at what feels like the top for a long time. It, It seems like the only place to go is down. So that doesn't feel like a really safe investment unless you have lots of time. If you're in your 30s or 40s, don't worry about the long term or the short term on the market. You should just be dollar cost averaging into a couple of good mutual funds, index mutual funds, the S&P 500. That's a strategy that still works. Um, But if you're into your 50s or 60s, you've got to be careful with that market. We we could have a big downturn and it could take a while for it to come back. That's the position I'm in. Where do I want my money at 60 years old? Um, I'm in real estate. I'm not wild about that right now. We just bought an expensive property. Now, I will say this was not an investment property. Had this been an investment property, I would have had to think a lot harder about this purchase. This was more of a personal lifestyle, you know, long-term purchase that even if we completely overpaid for this property, I don't think we did. I actually think in today's market, we got a real bargain on it, but I'm still expecting some sort of a real estate crash. And if that were to happen right now, you know, the, the value on that property could go lower than what I paid for it, but it's, it doesn't matter. This is, this is a property that I, as far as I can tell, will keep forever. So, Should I have waited? Well, had I waited, this property wouldn't be available. So that was just a a tough call we had to make. Um, I'm happy with that call, but again, where do I want my money invested? I'm heavy into real estate right now. The good news is, even if we have a crash, I'm pretty well protected because all the properties are paid for and they can become income producing. So it's not like I need to sell any of these properties if the prices go down. It is a really difficult market to be invested in, in in anything right now. But that doesn't mean there isn't a lot you can do about your financial situation. Pay down debt, save cash. Same thing I've been saying for a long time. Still works. Still what we should be doing. And like I say, when you, you look at the news... Nothing seems to be good right now. Uh, You really have to focus on what you can control. Money and health are the two big ones. Total control over your health. And you have a lot of control over your money. And I would focus on those two things. And other than that, just watch. It it is so hard to figure out what's going on. We've got an election year coming up. It's like we're always in an election cycle these days, but um, we do have an election year coming up here pretty quickly. And it's probably the wildest, you know, election cycle I've ever seen by far. Who knows what's going to happen with that? We have COVID coming back. I, I know a lot of people who are sick right now. Something is going around and people are getting sick. I do have to say, uh, if I think about this, I believe everybody I know that got sick is also vaccinated. And there seems to be the even the CDC has come out and said, you know, if you're vaccinated, you're actually at a higher risk. They're bringing out a new vaccine, though, should be out uh, sometime this month. I watched something this morning and they were saying, if you aren't up to date on the old stuff, the old vaccines, the old boosters, if you're not up to date, you should go get those. Then they made it even more confusing because they said, well, but if you do get them right now and we bring out the new vaccine in a couple of weeks, then you're going to have to wait till you can get the new vaccine. 
What a mess. There's an awful lot of people that are buying right back into this again. Masks, vaccines. Is this really coming back? Are we going to go through this again? It's going to be a very, very different scenario this time from what I'm hearing from people and how I feel. I'm not complying with anything this time. Nothing. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I didn't think we would have to be concerned about this again with the economy, but we may have to. All we can do is wait and see. The big message, control what you can control, because so much of our world seems to be out of our control. Um, This may not be a big deal for a lot of people, but uh, what just happened with um, the January 6th protester getting 22 years in prison and Liberty Safe, I actually own a Liberty Safe, ironic that the company's named Liberty, gave somebody's gun safe information, the unlock codes to the FBI. I have a real problem with that. Uh, There was a lot of pressure put on Liberty Safe, and I did get um, an email from them telling me there is a method now that I can use to opt out of their system that stores my information. Now, their, their claim, and, and I get it, it actually made sense. That's why I did it. If you ever lose your um, access code to your safe, you're going to have a real problem. They're designed so you can't get into them easily. And without that code, it would be difficult, and you'd probably have to destroy the safe, the lock anyway, to get into it. So it seemed like a good idea let the company store my information for me. And of course I have it stored, but you know, never hurts to have plan B and C, except I now know that they may share that information with the government or somebody else who knows. So I'm going to opt out of that system. I'll just make sure I have several ways to, to safely store my information. This whole idea of what we've gone through in the last couple of years with government colluding with big corporations and big tech, you know, Liberty Safe isn't really big tech, but this is just really scary uh, that we have government and and um, big industry. Talk about collusion. In this industry, we're worried about, you know, brokers and carriers colluding. That's never going to happen. There's too many players. But we absolutely know that the government has colluded with big social media companies in ways that are illegal. And it doesn't look like that's stopping. A lot of stuff out of our control. Focus on what you have control over. If you have any questions, we can talk about that. Let's, uh, Let's get to some phone calls uh, this hour is going by fast. Let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome. What, what's up, Kevin? I'm, I'm glad I got the two things I have questions about. So starting off with my first question, what the bond, that one, like you can only buy $10,000 right from the government. How, how did, I, I, I forgot how that works. I, the, the problem with those is they've been pretty volatile lately. They, they change pricing constantly. There, there was a time last year where they were really attractive because of their rate. You can only buy so much a year per person. Uh, and, and a lot of people were saying, look, if you're looking for a place to park some cash, th- this is a pretty decent return. It's, I don't know why everybody got so excited over it. It, it was just you know, one more tool to use. And honestly, um, I, even if it's one of the better deals going on, I'm just not sure I want my money with the government anymore. You know, you know, with, intre- with interest rates going up the way they are, you will see deals out there like the Apple, you know, savings account paying between four and five percent interest. CDs are up in that rate. I, I'd much rather deal with those than government stuff these days. Okay, cool. All right, then here's the other thing. Being that what you're just saying, what I did, um, I got a 401k at work, and um, my the guy that I use my taxing, he told me put as much as I can into it. That I, you know, I can handle. So I just, I bumped it up like about three months ago to like 33%. Excellent. Should I knock that back? 
But should well, I knock that down now with the market the way it's going? Or? Well, hold on, because there's and, and two. I, I don't even feel it, though. That's the thing. R- there's two you know, steps. You know, I don't with, feel the, the money going right, out. Right. There's two steps with our money. We have to separate them. There is the saving of money first. We have to save money, meaning we, if we spend all of our money, we have nothing left to invest. So the first step is saving money. And we, we tend to get these confused. Then once we save the money, then we determine what are we going to do with it? Where are we going to park it? So I would tell you continue to have the money taken out of your check. That's the saving step. Once it hits your brokerage, you don't have to invest it into the market. You could just leave it in what they call a money market account, which probably is paying you a couple of percent interest. Um, so don't change yeah, anything. Don't keep keep yeah. that automatic savings okay. going. Like you said, you don't even feel it. And I'm saying right now, save cash. Keep saving cash until we figure out what to do with it. So you're, you're on the right track. You just may want to go to your brokerage and say, okay, all of the money coming in right now, let's just park it in the, um, in the money market account for a while. Okay. Yeah, because I have all the stuff, too. I got stuff that I have for a while, and that's in, like, IRAs. And I, I just – I don't know if I want to switch that. I got to call them up, my, the guy I use, because I don't want to be at risk with it, you know? Yeah, and that, that's his job. And you do need to look at your big picture. You look at all of your money and where it's invested. You know, some is in your home, some's in IRAs, some's in your 401k. Then we have to look in the IRA, what is it invested in? An IRA is not an investment. An IRA is a box that we put money in to protect it from taxes. Then once it's in that box, we have to decide what do we want to invest it in. Do we want to put it into mutual funds or do we want to just park it in a money market account that earns interest and has no risk? You, you can never lose money in the money market account. I shouldn't say never. What um, do you, the, I mean, the brokerage could go I, out of business and broke, but then you have that $100,000 protection anyway. Right. I got like, I think a, I think I got like 247000 I think, between the two accounts. But the thing with that is, I, I, see, he's up in New York and to go, I mean, I get him on the phone and with it in the quick, you know, I'll take my call right off the get go. But I'm just trying to think at my age, I'm going to be 59 at the end of this month. I, 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 I judge it by the way it is, I should start really. It, you, you should know, be more diversified. You, you should be starting okay. to move out of the market. Now, most of the time, we don't recommend that, you know, there's some certain age when you hit it, you pull all of your money out of the market. What I usually say is when we get within 10 years of you wanting that money. So maybe your plan is you're not going to retire till you're 75. And if you don't need That's that money, what it looks like. <laughs> to, yeah, till you're 75, then you could say, okay, we're 16 years away from that still, or whatever that number was. So we could start to ease right. out of it. Maybe we take 10% out a year and move it into something a, okay. a little safer. You're, you don't have to be in a big okay. hurry to get out of the market. Because you still have time based on your retirement age. You know, yeah, and at yeah. some point in yeah. there, Social Security okay. kicks in, so you can start collecting some of that. So you, you just want to look at the big picture. Yeah, he picture was really and, good with my mom and all that. Yeah, just just decide. You, you might want to yeah, start moving some money out of the market. Yeah, I'll get, I got to get a hold of him. Cause I did, he, he did really well, my mom. Like, my mom worked when she was 80. And, 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 and worked five nights a week. I mean, she worked five days a week as a, at night as a nurse. Yeah. And she, and yeah. she, I mean, she did fantastic. So he did the right thing. I just, I just started, I started getting worried once I started seeing all this crap. That's why I asked about that bond, but I'll, uh, I'll get with him and figure all that out. So now my other health question is, so I put the X3 bar. So I got the long bar. And so now I'm doing my bench presses and I, I'm, so I'm on the, the, the gray bar, the, 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 I guess the third band. Okay. And I'm pumping out like 30, 30 of those easily. And I shouldn't say easily. I, the last few ones, I'm pushing it to the, you know, okay. to the extreme. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try the big band. So I, this morning I, I did the big band 
And it was that band is. <laughs> oh, it's stout. It's tough. It's stout. So uh, there's there's got, two options here. I got like two options okay. on how we want to do this. Um, I tend to jump to the bigger band sooner, and I we're supposed to be okay. able to get fifteen. But so what if I can only get eight? Tomorrow or next week, I'll probably be able to get nine. And then in a couple of weeks, I'll probably be able to get 10 or 11. And pretty soon, I'll be doing 15. I, I tend to make that jump sooner and just do less reps until I start to get stronger. The other option, and both of them work just fine. The other option is to stay on the band you're on, but do it so slow and so strict that you almost can't get 15 out of that one. So, you know what the problem with that? I just say the problem is is that, I like I said, I get up, I I, I kind of base it on 15 minutes in the morning when I do it. So I get everything, when I, you know, four days a week, I get up 15 minutes earlier, yeah. you know, and I Good. do it. So I don't know if I want it, you know what I mean? So what it'll do is then, it'll, if I start going with, uh, my thinking is going, I think, because I, today I did six. I got six out of that big band. And I felt, I mean, it was tough, but I was like, Okay. Yeah, yeah that's just what keep I thought. And again, I, my thinking was, my thinking was, I'm, if I if I keep going, and like I said, I knew because like some of them, I always did that. I always did slow. You don't, you know, you don't push all the way. You always keep the tension on it. You know, that's what I was doing a lot too. Instead of you know fully extending and then coming all the way back, I would just like keep it in that mid range where you always had the pressure on it, right. and that worked fine. But. Yeah, right. no, you're so you're fine. If, if, band, if you're then. doing six it, next week, you'll probably be doing eight. Your body will adapt to that that extra oh. uh, resistance pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that thing's amazing. <laughs> I like I said, I I just uh, uh, shocked at the the uh, you know the way you feel when you're doing oh, so it effective. after you're done with it, and yeah. also your, the results you get. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I'll let someone else go. Thanks, Ever. I really appreciate it with the. Uh, the um, investment info. I appreciate that, man. You're welcome. Thanks Thank for you. the call. Let's go to Florida. Tony, welcome. Kevin, uh, I was listening to the Twitter space, and it, uh, something came on on there. I've, I've only made it through, like, September 1st. That fascinated me. Do you remember when you were on there with um, Reed? I think Matt, everybody was, was on there, and you started talking about... Uh, like the strike and how uh, how the consumer will get pissed off that they don't have their stuff. Yes. That, for some reason, that fascinates the hell out of me to where I I got to thinking, uh, is, is that not the most important issue that is going on in the world even? It is, I, okay, you have trucking, that, that, and I apologize, I can't hear you really well when I'm on, uh, when I'm on the phone, but if I put it in Bluetooth, it, it messes up. Okay. Um, it, it won't sound good. If, uh, yeah, if we did a strike, which I do think is a good idea. I know you don't. It, it's, an, <laughs> it's interesting at the very least. Now people will not have their stuff. But then now my friends, they all, they want truckers to have their, you know, a better life. They, you know, they feel for us. But then when it comes down to it, they're like, how much comfort are they so, willing to risk for them? Well, That's well, an let me, interesting let me ask dynamic and very it, important. It's a very interesting dynamic. Let me ask you this. Maybe you should ask your friends how much money they think the average truck driver makes and what the requirements are to become a truck driver. I'm not sure why anybody feels so yeah. bad for truck drivers. It doesn't require a high school education. There's no real training requirement at all. I don't have to go to a truck driving school. If I can go past the test, that's all that's required. I can't think of a lower barrier of entry to a job. And we are now talking about many, many drivers in today's world making six figures. What's there to feel sorry for? Is there a lot of feedback right now on my line? No, it sounds okay. Sounds okay? Okay. Uh, well, I actually know a, an ER physician. She's pretty high up in, in uh, you know, the world. And she actually made this statement, which is interesting. When she drives on the road, she thinks that people that do that for a profession should have an own lane for themselves. Oh, please. Where there's no other. And How did she make I, it I through medical why, school? Why would you say that? How could somebody so ignorant make it through medical that is school? Because we're going to add no, let me millions finish. of miles of road just so we have a truck lane. 
My God, the, co- the country is $32 well, trillion dollars in debt. What the hell is she thinking? Hang on. This is good. The reason she said that was because she, she was sick as a doctor. She was sick of ER coming in that's not ER. It, it's kind of the same principle about how we have to deal with four-wheelers cutting in and out. Whenever I complain about that, she, she, she would give us a full lane just for ourselves instead of not use the left lane like maybe the left I, lane but, should be but, only for trucks. But, but think about the implications of trying to add another lane to our entire highway system. Come on. I, I, that's no, just, add a lane. That lane that's already there that we're not allowed to, to use, how about that for us? Why? Anyway, that's seriously ninety. Let's think about it. Anybody that drives a truck knows that well over ninety percent of the time we're on the road, traffic's not even an issue. It's the other ten percent. Wow, I'm really good at pushing your buttons, aren't when, I? When, when you uh, get I down into the about, when you uh, get down into the cities and where you're delivering, yeah, traffic can be an issue, no doubt. But ninety percent of the time, we're out on the highway. And, and we've only got two lanes in most of those places, and now you're going to say cars can't be in the left lane? What a disaster. No, I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying any of that at all. I'm, uh, I'm just saying I'm trying to say that the consumer does feel for us on some level. Well, it, but I, then this dynamic that, of but, when it comes to a strike. But most of them are so misinformed like uh-huh. this lady. They, they don't have a clue what they're, what they're talking about. When, if that's her solution, then we don't need their opinion. They're so uninformed or misinformed. Now, to go back to the public and, and their perception of us, uh, if you strike, they will be pissed off. They will not feel sorry for us whatsoever once they start to suffer from any kind of a shutdown and a shutdown isn't going to do a thing anyway every time i hear this shutdown my first question is what are you trying to accomplish give me one specific thing you want to accomplish with this shutdown and i get either crickets and the deer in the headlight look they have no idea they haven't even thought about it or they have a list of 37 demands I just think it's fascinating how all of a sudden the people that are for us that want to help, then when we actually try to do something, they're gone. I, I just oh, of course. Uh, this has like because they're there, but there's something simple just has the to first, be done to keep the, them on board. The first time they can't get gas in their car, they're pissed. Right. If they just knew how fickle they looked when it comes to that, uh, I think there there is room for them to be trained on on how to help us. And it, this dynamic here is it, it's just I think it's really important, and it might be the most uh, important issue that we have going you, in the world. You, even you know the bigger reason why, even though I do touch on this and talk about it once in a while, I don't spend a lot of time on it. There's, there's a really big reason why I won't have the conversation you and I are having very often. Any idea what it might be? There's one big reason not to waste time talking about what would happen if there were a strike. There's one big reason not to spend a whole lot of time on that. It's never going to happen. Well, because it's not going to happen. Exactly. That's it yeah. right there. That's the key. It can be fun to talk about and debate, but in reality, it's never going to happen. All right. Can I talk about uh, getting paid to uh, getting paid to advertise like people are accusing you of? Because I have yes. a, a good pushback on that. Would you think Rush Limbaugh had a big following? Huge. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, he would regularly go on the program on his time and inform the audience, all of those people, that, that the advertisers were kind of like his pawns where he would charge them, you know, didn't even care who they were or what they stood for to charge them confiscatory advertising prices. And I have firsthand experience. One of them was an absolute crook. I trusted him. I didn't know he was doing this. I went to one of them. It was to sell my house, like some sort of get out of your your 
Oh, yeah. The house yep. company, they helped you sell it. Yeah. They were absolute crooks. They tried to steal $4,000 from me, high pressure. But there's nothing wrong with that. You don't do that, but you could. That's good business. And he did it. And everybody knows who that is. Yeah, we've, um, we've actually taken the opposite approach. We don't have commercials at all anymore. I mean, I, we don't really have sponsors. Nobody pays me to be mentioned on the show. We don't do commercials, so you can't buy commercials from us. We do have partnerships, and I, I, I'm always willing. We're totally transparent. We'll tell you every company that we have a financial arrangement with. But it's not as a sponsor or advertising. They're, they're partnerships that just make sense for our tribe. And we manage those projects and partnerships, and we charge companies to, to be a part of that. And we've always been transparent about that. If anybody wants to know if somebody's paying me, just ask. Yeah, and just the simple fact is that you could. Uh, oh, yeah. And it wouldn't necessarily yeah, be I, wrong. And the fact that you don't is to your honor. Yeah, we, we could... We could take the, our clock schedule and say, look, we're going to do just what, we, what Sirius does and what we, everybody else does on radio. We're going to set aside 12 minutes out of every hour for commercials. And with our following, we could charge a lot of money for those commercials. And that would pretty much make our business plan work. I wouldn't have to, you know, ask people to support us and buy stuff out of the store. We just, you know, we collect the money from the from the uh, advertisers instead. I just hate that model. I hate commercials. I don't want to ever be beholden to any of those companies. We tell them all the time. We have fired our, our customers many times. One of the things that will get, it doesn't really work this way anymore, but when we were kind of using more of a sponsor-like model, one thing that would get you fired in a heartbeat was to ever send me a message, a phone call, a voicemail, an email that I missed an opportunity to promote your product. And I had vendors that did it. They'd listen to the show and they'd send me a message. That call the other day was a perfect time to promote our product and you didn't do it. I, I'm sorry, you're fired. That's not how the show works. Yeah, I'll decide and, when we're going to talk about something, not you. Yeah, right. And I, I'm one of those... Uh, now moving along to something that's probably more interesting to you, um, if there's time. Uh, what do you think about this? I heard TJ, which I love listening to, by the way. Don't you love him? Oh, TJ's awesome. He said he's having he's having trouble finding uh, owner operators with their authority. What do you think about me getting his number and contacting him? Uh. I, I think it'd be a great idea. He's a great resource in trucking. He moves a lot of freight around. It's, um, he understands this industry from every angle. I've talked about this. He started as a one-truck owner-operator, so he gets that. He knows how to build a company from next to nothing. He built it to 80 I trucks. He's got three terminals, California, Texas, and New Jersey. He is a broker and... He is a shipper and a receiver. He moves hit freight between his three terminals just like a shipper and a receiver. He either calls a trucking company and schedules a truck or he calls a broker and schedules a truck. So he operates in all of the areas that we deal with in trucking. So he understands trucking from all of those angles. That's valuable. Yeah, I figured you would say it. And, and when he said he was looking for having trouble finding owner operators with their authority, that just spoke to me. Uh, I, I don't know if I would have to be required to carry my turbo clamps and pipe. Who did you think that was? Bruce was talking about on the PA turnpike, by the way, with a pack <laughs> car. That, uh... Yeah, Kevin. And so we'll, we'll talk about this. If, if there's time, what about, you know, you talk about business. Uh, fuel, finding loads, and driving the truck. Can I say, it, am I allowed to say that is enough? I am outsourcing my maintenance, and that proved it. Uh, is that okay? Of course. We can't do everything in our business. Maybe in the very beginning when we're really small, we, we do it all. But at some point, if you plan on growing, you have to start outsourcing something. 
Yeah. So, but he got me, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I just went through that day, and, and yeah, yeah that, that was me up there. Yeah. He got me. All right. All right. Oh, I got, do have other ahead. stuff if there's time. Uh, I have something else that's big too. If, what do you if got? Time. What do you got? Well, you're never going to believe this. You were also talking about productivity on the docks, where you go into these uh, these huge warehouses where, that make you sit six hours. Remember that? Yeah. And you're talking about how do they pay them? Why don't they get paid on productivity? Well, um, you go into think of the largest distributor that you can go into that a lot of our listeners are are probably in right now that takes a long time. Uh, I worked at Walmart for four years, not all on the receiving dock, but I have significant experience there. So I bring value. Uh, They actually do pay for productivity. Can you believe that? But before you lose your mind, it's not much, (laughs) but they actually do. There's there's a lot of politics involved, but they they give a small uh, increment for productivity on that dock. It's good. I mean, we we know that the the dock situation um, at a lot of places is a mess, and trucking kind of shoulders the, that burden. Um, and I'm all for finding ways to improve that, but in my mind, it's never another government regulation. It's just not. All right. We do have to keep moving through the calls here. We've got about uh, 15 minutes before Rolling Toe is going to take over. Paul, what's on your mind today? Howdy. 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 Unpaid contributor chiming in. So There you go. Um, you, I was, you or Tony talked about misinformed or uneducated. Well, unless you've been in a coma for the last three or four years, why are people rushing out to get vaccinated is my question. I am am shocked at, I I think what's happened, really, I I, I can't imagine how this is occurring other than we have this divide in the country. The vaccine was a huge divide. You either believed in it and took it or you didn't. There didn't seem to be anybody in between. And what happens in human nature is it is hard to pivot from something that you defended so hard. These people bought into this and it's very hard for them to buy out of it now that they don't want to be wrong. So they're they're actually doubling down on this insanity um, on masks and vaccines. And so far, I haven't heard about lockdowns, but man, if those come back. Um, so I just think these people are so entrenched. They've, they've defended their decisions so hard that they, they just can't let them go. Oh, I think I'm losing my signal. Uh, I'm still hearing you now. Um, I, 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 you know, they, they, they come out and they talk about, you know, our press secretary at the White House comes out and talks about how, how effective this new vaccine is. Well, wait a minute. Where's the trial? How, how do we know it's effective? You, you guys just keep saying this all the time. Safe and effective. None of the evidence that I can find points to either safe or effective. And yet they just keep saying it. Well, if you repeat something long enough, people will believe it. That's exactly what's happened. And, and, and this is so personal and so big that once they buy in, they, they just have a very hard time opening their eyes and thinking, maybe I just got this wrong. Yeah, crazy. So, and then um, that guy that was on Spaces last week, the, one of the brokers limited. Yes. I think he... He must have. He must have sounded like he had quite a few trucks, and he had emission troubles, and he went back uh, an older pre-emission truck, is what I gathered from it. But because he talked about carrying spares and having to repair hydraulic leaks and everything like that, well, my truck's ten and a half years old, and ten and a half years and one point two million miles, and probably about eleven thousand vehicles delivered. I've had six hydraulic repairs on the trailer. Nothing major. You know, my thought when I hear these people that have so many maintenance issues all the time are, what are they doing so wrong? 
I owned a lot of trucks for a lot of, and still own a lot of vehicles and put a lot of miles on vehicles. And they just don't break that often. The one exception was the last trip on my coach. Oh. And I, I think I figured out what, what the issue is with that. But all the trucks that I had million plus mile, I, maintenance was just not a big issue. Well, my, my maintenance cost is not cheap, but I don't. It's not very often I've got to make the call and say, uh, someone's going to have to come and get this right. load because I need the tow truck to come and get me. Right. Or it's, I'm it's, in the, yeah, it's, so it's, got, been, it's gotten one, expensive. One, one it's, it's gotten a little harder to get into shops, yeah. but it, it still should not be a big problem in your operation. Yeah, right. I'll let someone else get in, so... All right. Thanks for the call. Uh, We could probably squeeze one or two more calls in if you want to jump in right now. We're going to go to Kansas this time. Bob, welcome. Hey, Kevin. I just had a quick... The guy earlier was talking about trucks going on strike and for low rates and why, you know, trucking companies don't get paid or rates are so low. But, you know, I mean, I think it has something in what, you know, all of the argument about the brokers and stuff like that. But it's just... Are we that good at what we do? I mean, I mean, like the whole system, not just individual. Other <laughs> individuals are good at what they do. The whole entire shipping industry is, you know, refined this down to such a good, you know, system. And so it seems so easy. And you always talk about the race to the bottom on rates and stuff like that. But isn't that what it is? We just refined this so well that all of these individual people are have, and, and you add in the equipment that they have and how well each piece of the puzzle works together. Isn't that the reason why rates are low? We're just efficient. because we're good at what we we're do? We're efficient. efficient. That, that, that's what we're supposed to be, too. Um, here's, here's where I think the biggest problem comes in. I've been thinking about this a lot. Why, why are we so far apart on these issues in our industry? And I'm sure it happens in every industry. Why do we have this group or these groups or, or there's, a, there's a mindset in trucking? And I consider it a victim mentality. And honestly, I think the, the biggest spreader of that victim mentality in our industry has been OIDA. Their, their whole model forever is everybody's out to screw you as an owner-operator and a driver. Join us and we'll screw them back. That, that seems to be all they ever talk about are problems, and there never seems to be a lot of solutions. And their only solution, again, seems to be lobbying the government. So I don't understand why people want to join groups. I mean, I, as a truck driver, as myself, I've always wanted to be on my own. I want to make my own decisions. That's the reason I'm drawn to this business is because why I'm out on the road, I make my own decisions. And I don't want anybody speaking for me. Exactly. I don't want anybody or a group talking for me. Yeah, so here's here's where I think the problem comes in. I think our our government indoctrination system, our school system, is has been doing such a lousy job for decades of teaching the stuff we really should be learning. We now have people who can't understand that if they are asking the government to set a rate in business for anybody, if they're asking to cap brokers, that is asking the government to come into business and control rates and pricing, that is communistic. And you can tell people this and they look at you like you have three heads and they don't understand what you're trying to say, that our system has never worked that way, shouldn't work that way. We got rid of that. I I shouldn't say it never worked that way in trucking. It actually was that way before deregulation. There was a reason why they did it back then. There was also a reason why they stopped doing it. That is not a free market. And it is the last thing we want. The absolute last. We do not want government being able to tell any business what they can charge somebody else. And you, you can't get them to understand how, how that is a core principle. If you can't get this, then there's no point in us talking about this. 
I do not want to live in a country where the government gets to tell private businesses how much they can charge. If we can't get past that point, there's no point in even talking about this. And yet I am shocked at how many people, people Americans who grew up, who are in business and still don't get this concept. Well, I think that there's so many of these guys that jumped into business that were good drivers, guys who understood how to operate a vehicle, a truck, but they have no business being in business. They don't understand that principle that you just told us, that you have to understand when you're in business, you're in business, you're taking a risk. And then you also have to figure out what you're good at. And And you got to exploit other people. That's how you start your show. Every, not exploit them, but exploit yourself in the service of other people. Right. And the, and then sometimes here, it may not work, no matter how right. hard you try. That, that's a key point right there that we have to get across. You are not entitled to a profit. They all act like I got into business, I bought a truck, I do all the work, I'm entitled to a certain rate, and that rate better make me a profit. You have to drop that. You are not entitled to anything in business. You have to earn it all. Absolutely. Hey, Kevin, I got one more question. I know this is totally off, but, you know, today, I don't know if you'll talk to TJ or not, but one time he spoke about, like, the first iteration of your business and then the second iteration and what worked in the first, you know, part of your business life doesn't work in the second business part of your life. You know, I'm not saying that I'm anything like TJ, but... I feel like I'm moving into my second, you know, stage of my business and what's worked in my first stage isn't seeming to work. Like I'm just a hardworking kid that loved trucks growing up my whole life. My dad was a truck driver. His dad was a truck driver. And I just love it. And I've gotten into this little space where let me I tell get, you when you it know, changes. I, I got companies that but. call me directly for jobs and I'm, I've grown to like a 12 pin, 12 truck fleet that has 40 trailers and you know, what worked before, what, you know, this hard work mentality, you know, just nose to the grindstone doesn't seem to work in this second no, stage of my business. And I was just curious about if you could speak to it or TJ could speak to it, you know, how do you make that change in your own mind? I'm a guy that barely graduated high school. The only reason I've graduated high school is because my mom forced me to. But, so, you know, I didn't go to college is what I'm saying. But, you know, what works for me, well, in my so let me ask you real quick. Let me ask you real quick because I don't have a whole lot of time, and I want to get to two more calls. Are you, are you going to be on the spaces today? Uh, no, I, I probably okay. won't be, but uh, um, I'll, I'll be listening. I'll sure listen. So, to move past where you are now does require a, a major change in the way you do business. May even require you to start hiring management people. Like, in some cases, it might make sense to hire a CEO. Or there is another option. You can just stay this size and just manage the business just like you know how. That's really d- the decision we made. We, we, if we wanted to really grow our company and the potential was there to do it, I said in order to do this successfully, I'd have to hire a CEO. I don't want to be the CEO. I don't want to spend my day managing people. Um, and ne- none of our owners want to be a CEO of a big company. So if we wanted to grow, we'd have to go hire somebody. And I, I just decided I, I don't want to grow that much. We can grow small, operating just the way we've always operated, and we'll grow and we'll grow over time, and that'll be fine. Uh, and that's just my decision. That, like I said, I, we could go out and hire a management team and, and probably triple the size of the company in three or four years. I, I really don't want to. So the first thing you want to do is decide what you want your company to ultimately look like. Are, are you happy with where where it is? Could you be happy with this for 10 years? Or do you really want well, to I grow a large company? And if you want to grow a large company, that's well, when you're going to have to change what you do. Well, uh, uh, look, I never let my customers decide how my business is going to operate. Why would I do that? I, I will determine how my business operates, and I will make sure that however it operates, it provides maximum value to those customers. But I really don't let customers make a decision on, on whether I'm going to grow my company or what products we're going to offer. Or that, that's, that, again, that's me. I just need to make sure we're offering something but that has value that somebody's willing to pay us for. 
I kind of owe my customers. They've grown me to where I am at today. And they're still growing. Uh, yeah, and but, they look but, at me hey, and they hey, say, hey, look, you need to grow. Look, yeah, hold, let, me, let me maybe adjust your thinking on that. I, you know me. Business okay. is all about providing value to your customers. I, I'm all about customers, but I will not let them make those kinds of decisions because here's what I promise you will happen. You will go out on a limb to make them happy, something they want. They will not reciprocate. There isn't that much loyalty in business. And even if there were, the people you're working with now might not be there next month. I've had this happen so many times. Management as a company changes and everything about that relationship changes. So I, 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 I will not let my customers say, you have to grow with us. No, I don't. I know that about my customer. I've been doing this for 20 years and I, and I felt I've grown to like 16 trucks and then I had to cut back down because of the way the economy went. And then, and now this they want is me a to tough grow business. again. And I understand the up and down about it, but I, I, but I don't, what I don't understand. Oh boy. No, no. Hey, Hey Bob, hold on a second. Nobody is hearing you right now. Um, I am having some real audio issues with my phone. Try now. I think I got it. Oh, no, that's still, hold on. It's still not working. Your audio is not coming through to the board. I'm going to cut you loose. We're coming up on the end here anyway. So, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to cut you loose. Nobody can hear you. Um, I think I'm just going to wrap up the show because we're right at nine o'clock. And by the time I solve the technical problem, um, we'd have to end the show and start it over. So uh, I'm going to end this. We'll uh, we'll try to see if uh, we can solve this audio issue. It's the same thing that happened at the beginning of the show, uh, but I have no idea what's doing it. So we will uh, we'll get out of here, make room for Rolling Toe coming up here in about five minutes. Don't go away. Remember, this is a call-in show. Um, call them up. Ask them questions. That's, uh, that's what we do here. And then we will see you after they're done. Uh, on a space over on X that should be somewhere around uh, 10, 15 or 1030 or so I'm thinking today. Um, We will see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.